We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. You are listening to Dove Valley Deep Divers with Eric Trickle and Lance Sanderson. Ball comes out of the hands of Newton. It's on the ground, picked up by T.J. Ward at the four-yard line. Vaughn Miller did it again. On Overtime Media. Mile high hello everybody in Broncos country. Welcome into another episode of the Dove Valley Deep Divers podcast. I'm your host Lance Sanderson and joining me as per usual is my good friend and colleague. He is Mile High Huddle senior NFL draft analyst, the one and only Eric Trickle. Eric, like I was just saying, Thanksgiving's next week's the best holiday of the season. I'm so excited for that. Um, glad to be back. Obviously, last week missed the missed the show because we had to do the whole hunting thing. No luck, unfortunately. But glad to be back in the saddle here with you on a Friday. How are we doing, buddy? Doing good. Tired. It's a little cold in my office, as it always is this time of year. Heating in my office is just terrible, but I have a heating blanket, so that covers up for it a little bit. Um, I'd say I'm I'm excited to be here and talking football. The fact that it's about the Broncos, a little less so. <laughs> I'm right there with you, man. It's it, it's like that pain in your forehead when you have a migraine and you just want to like, like you cannot figure out a way to get it to go away. And that's what this Broncos season has been like, man. It's, it's so frustrating, man. It's so frustrating to watch this offense just be completely incompetent week in and week out. We all thought it was going to be, you know, a high flying, high powered offense with Russell Wilson, Nathaniel Hackett. Everyone had these crazy high expectations and, this is what we get, and it's unfortunate because I, I really wanted us to like evolve away from the suck. Like everyone says, embrace the suck every now and again, and we just can't seemingly get that done. Yeah, and when you're talking about the hype, I think there's a there's all whenever you bring that up, there's always people that are like, oh, we should have tempered our expectations. The issue with that is the hype was coming from inside the building. Yep, you had Nathaniel Hackett and Russell Wilson talking about playoffs, playoffs, Super Bowl. I can't remember which receiver it was that was talking about. We should we're a Super Bowl contender now, like the, even they're putting on the hype and everything like that. Then we don't get any of them in the preseason, which I'm not going to harp on that too much. That's I can take it or leave it. Don't really care for the starters in that. It's just a bunch of different issues that are plaguing this team, and we have a coach that won't put his foot down and be the head coach, and we have a quarterback that won't take a step back and realize how much of an issue he's creating for this Broncos offense and be willing to change it. And then you have just a terrible execution on the offensive line, all the injuries, the terrible execution pretty consistently from the wide receivers as well. It's like no one on the Broncos for off- offense can get out of their own way. So we're stuck having to embrace this good defense, terrible offense yet again. Yeah, and 
unfortunately, it's only seemingly going to get worse, guys. The Broncos obviously play against the Las Vegas Raiders here on uh, this coming Sunday. Um, and they're going to be without a bunch of offensive playmakers and a bunch of members on the offensive line. We're going to get into all of that coming up as we break down how the Broncos can manage to sneak a win away from a very struggling Raiders team. Obviously, Josh McDaniels is Hurricane McDaniels down there right now as well. Derek Carr is very frustrated. The defense for the Raiders is not playing very good football. But the Broncos offense, it's it's kind of that that very stoppable force trying to ram into a very movable object, which one's going to like give on this thing. So it's going to be a lot of fun. But first, guys, uh, let's just say hello to everybody here in the chat. We've got Mark Lindemood over on Facebook. What's going on? Uh, Vic Chin, Chronic, Jay Kozad in the house, Greg Smith as well. Got a Facebook user. I'm going to pull this highlight really fast. And hello, Deep Divers. Go Broncos. Facebook user. I don't see your name. Um, go into your permissions on Facebook and there's a, there's a share to all platforms or something like that. I'm not exactly sure what it is, but make sure you go and set to all platforms and we will be able to see your name and give you a proper shout out. But thank you for joining us regardless. Uh, Jeff noise in the house as per usual, Michael Frady as well. Mike S in the hizzy, Paul Moore saying, pull off the bandaid hashtag fire hack it. Hey, I've got a couple of group chats where my name is actually fire hack it. Uh, probably be a new one here soon. But uh, then we also have, in the house i want to just give a proper shout out for a guy shouting out his fellow alaskan brother eric trickle and cia cia what's up man how we doing tonight thank you all for joining us here on a wonderful friday now with that eric this uh, we, we've already pretty much broke it down this broncos offense is struggling but they're going to be without jerry judy and kj hamler in, in terms of the wide receivers. Um, sounds like Cam Fleming is going to get a start at left tackle. Potentially Tom Compton going to be back at right tackle. Man, it, it looks bleak. It definitely looks bleak when you're trotting out wide receivers five and six in Montreal, Washington, and Jalen Virgil, who got his first touch last uh, last week against the Tennessee Titans on a 66-yard touchdown pass. What are the Broncos going to be able to do here? <laughs> so... My matchup article, it's it's in the pipeline. Chad wasn't able to get it published before we went live because um, I kind of got it in late. And talking about it and looking into it, the Raiders are beat up in the secondary, and they don't have a very good secondary in the first place. Nate Hobbs is on injured reserve. So you're going to likely see Cortland Sutton matched up with Rocky Sin, which in previous matchups, that has been very favorable for the Broncos. Well, without Jerry Judy and KJ Hamler, you can't really strain the depth of them. You're hoping you get a lot out of Kendall Hinton, who's been sick. You're probably calling up Brandon Johnson. Maybe we'll be we'll probably see him out there on the field. Hopefully he matches that preseason hype. Jalen Virgil, Montreal Washington. It's gonna be a lot of speed. And the issue with that is Denver needs to get rid of the ball quicker. They don't need these longer developing routes where the speed really comes into work. You got to be working these quick slants, these quick outs, quick ins, the crossers, all this stuff. Because what do the, the Raiders, their two primary coverages is cover three and cover one. That's what Russell Wilson's good at, right? The issue is when they go and face when they face the Broncos in the first one, you want to know what their main coverage was? Cover four or cover two, which Russell Wilson has historically done terribly against. And that hasn't mm -hmm. changed. So, and then you add in the issues on the offensive line and the pass rusher that they have in Max Crosby. You got to get rid of the ball quicker. Are they actually going to do that? This is an issue that is both on Hackett and on Wilson. They haven't adjusted their passing game whatsoever. Like, it's just, it's a mess after a mess. Thankfully, we are getting some players back on that offensive line. Hopefully, that helps the run game. Tom Compton, 
all the praise there was on a running game. And the, the Raiders' run defense is pretty much god-awful, especially against the concepts the Broncos like to run, which we can get to that more a little bit later. Yeah, I, I was actually going to jump right directly into that because Mike S. agrees with you. They need to run, run the football. And that's what the Broncos need to do desperately right now with those struggles that Russell Wilson is having seeing the field and distributing the football on a consistent basis. This whole let Russ cook narrative has gone too far. The Broncos country let's ride has gone like it, it just let's let's get back to the basics of being a physical football team of being a running football team, which is what this team wants to do is run the football first, build off of that outside zone scheme that they're not doing. They're not playing in the West Coast passing. They've game abandoned the outside game. zone essentially uh, completely. It's terrible. I wanted to dive into this really fast because Mike S, as he astutely says here, they need to run the ball. That is the Raiders' weakness, and their defense stinks. Now, Eric, you had some interesting stuff to talk about earlier today. We were uh, kind of going back and forth privately, and you were talking about how the Broncos pretty much have abandoned the outside zone. They've kind of gone mostly inside zone, but they're doing some more pin pull and stuff like that up front with the offensive line to try to open up some kind of consistency in this running game. The Raiders specifically are bad against outside zone and inside zone, and they do a better job of creating – some disruption up front with their with their defensive front seven against power and gap schemes like some pin pull or just straight up man gap blocking. What do you think that the Broncos need to do to kind of try to exploit this in something that they're not doing well in their own right offensively? We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. Well, I mean, they have to go out there and execute. And I think with the outside zone and all that, when in the first four weeks of the season, we saw a pretty even split. There was 27 inside zone runs, 25 outside zone runs. It was a pretty big split. But since then, it has changed tremendously. Once I can get this to load up for me. To where they are predominantly over, like, what is it? Twice as often, they're running inside zone. Their man number, their number of man concepts that they're running has decreased. The number of outside zone. I mean, they've matched since week four until now. They have matched the number of outside zone runs to where they did the first four weeks. So yeah. they're, they're, they've essentially abandoned it. And that's fine. That's great. 
this shows some adaptation from Nathaniel Hackett. We want to talk about him, what he can't do in the past, why he can't do it in the passing game. Well, we can sit there and we can look at the quarterback that a big reason why we're not seeing adjustments on the off on the passing game is because the quarterback we're seeing it in the run game. They've abandoned what isn't working outside zone. Wasn't working. They didn't have the personnel to run it. So that's, that's a good thing. The issue is that they now have to go out there and execute. They have the players on the offensive line that can work and run the inside zone. That is what they're going to. That is why you don't have to rely on the blocking from the tight ends or the receivers as much on inside zone. They're just not executing it. And what sucks is that is where the Raiders are the worst at in stopping the run inside zone, outside zone. Consistently, they have a, they are allowing a positive EPA per play in those two concepts. And that is not something you want from a defense. You want negative there. Mm -hmm. Denver's offense, they're in the negatives. It's the complete opposite. And what the what the Raiders are what the Broncos do well is pull leads concepts, but that's what the Raiders defend the best. Something's got to give here and with getting Cameron Fleming who is a pretty solid run blocker if Tom Compton starts who is praised for his run blocking Quinn Miners getting him out there, we should see the run game improve a little bit. Hopefully they actually stick with it and don't abandon it just completely like they have in recent weeks. No, I, I'm, I'm definitely a, a, in agreement with you. And one big aspect in this running game that the Broncos are really going to have to focus on is you mentioned his name just a little bit ago in Max Crosby and his play recognition. He does such a great job of understanding what's coming his way. And he does such a great job of moving out of the way of blockers, uh, making big plays in the backfield. And with the Broncos, I, I think this goes a little bit more specifically with the Raiders. I have to go back and watch a little bit more, but specifically when running to the defense's left side, which is at Max. Max Crosby, especially in those power get the, the power gap schemes where you're not trying to move everybody laterally, you're attacking him specifically with a with a down offensive lineman or specifically in the uh, with a pulling guard or a pulling tackle, whatever that may be. Max Crosby is blowing stuff up on that specific side of the offensive line at will, especially again this season. It's it's so much fun to watch him be able to play. And with Tom Compton, I think that that might be the big matchup to watch for this Broncos team, it, especially in pass protection. But in the running game specifically, I want to I want to highlight this because Compton does such a great job of getting out laterally. He moves really well. He gets your hand, his hands on you very quickly. Is that something that you're going to kind of look out for and maybe potentially even avoid running? in that particular direction i mean no you shouldn't i mean max crosby he's a good defender and everything but you can't limit yourself offensively more than you already are by just flat out not running at a defender you have to throw enough wrinkles in there to where the defense just can't key in on what you're doing right so you can't you can't ignore max crosby's side no matter how good of a run defender he is you just have to make sure you have the the players there providing some tight end help to tom compton Giving, give yourself an edge to run that way, to run off the right tackle and try to pick up yards. Yeah. But again, the point, the bigger thing is, is don't run outside. Just right. Keep it between the tackles. Play more of this inside zone power gap concepts that the Broncos offensive line can actually, you know, do more consistently instead of trying to get outside between the tackles. On top of the issues with the offensive line, you don't have the running backs to do it. Right. I mean, Chase Edmonds, that's what he can do, but it doesn't matter when you don't have the key pieces in, in other spots with the personnel to run outside zone. Latavius Murray, he's an inside guy between the tackles. Let him run north, south, lower his shoulder, and plow his way forward. Melvin Gordon, he, he doesn't have the quickness that he used to. And, you know, fumbling still an issue. 
Don't put them on the outside where they have the advantage with the number of defenders. Put them inside where maybe you can get lucky if he does fumble it, that one of your own guys can fall on the ball. So you got to play the numbers game to your advantage. You got to play to your strengths, and that's inside. And it's not that the Raiders are terrible on the inside against the run. Andrew Billings is a pretty strong run defender. Mm -hmm. It's just that is where your strength is offensively, and you got to play to your strengths. Yeah, absolutely. I'm 100% in agreement with you on that one. Um, I want to kind of elaborate a little bit more with the with the blocking scheme, specifically if you're trying to stretch things horizontally and create these open gaps and whatnot. And an aspect that we have seen this team fail in multiple times in terms of trying to get guys uh, bouncing towards the outside is the blocking from the tight end position and from the wide receiver position. I'm going to highlight two specific players here. Now, Greg Dulcich is actually doing a fairly decent job. At least he's putting out a lot of effort, which makes him like win very ugly. Um, he, he's got decent hand placement. There's just a, more technique that he needs to work on. But the guy that I really want to point out here is Cortland Sutton. What is the issue with Cortland Sutton in terms of being a blocker this year? It just it, it is mind-boggling. He was never like widely lauded as a guy that was the most technical blocker, much like uh, Greg Dulcich. But the effort that you saw from him was 100% every single time that he was out on the field. This season, it just seems like he is completely disinterested in getting his hands on people in front of him, going out in the screen game. He's with five or six different times on screen plays. But in, if you're trying to establish that outside that outside zone run, you need to have receivers that are going out to block. With Cortland Sutton, what what are you seeing that I'm not with with his terms and like effort and stuff and blocking? Because it just doesn't seem like it's even there. Yeah, I mean, his effort just hasn't been the same. It was there to start the season and he was doing a great job. Then I'd say about week five, week six, things really started to falter for him. Um, you can kind of correlate it to when he stopped getting targeted as much that you can see the effort drop. Not saying that's why, but there is a correlation there that right. should be looked into could it be a issue of maybe he's developed a little bit of a that you know prima donna for lack of a better way to put it type attitude where he's going to give effort as long as he's getting the ball i don't think that's actually the case but some there's something there with his effort that isn't the same and not just that his technique has been absolutely terrible one thing while he wasn't ever a great technician as a blocker he wouldn't lunch. He would set his feet. He'd set his base in a good position and engage and drive and yeah. just do, you know, textbook blocking kind of things. But I think it was in their game against the Jaguars that there was a block where his feet, he never leaves from his initial stance off the thing. He just initially lunges forward to trying to make a block. And then the outside run that they were running just gets gets made for a tackle for a loss like he's not he's not moving his feet he's not engaging properly so there's a lot of issues there but it's hard to sit here and in a way pound on him for his blocking when you have somebody like jerry judy who doesn't even give any kind of effort yeah it, well at least we're not going to see the lack of effort from jerry judy in this particular game and kj hamler well for for what that guy is the smaller speedier shifty kind of shiftier kind of guy out of all the wide receivers that I've watched in terms of blocking this season, KJ Handler has been the most consistent and shown the most effort and actually been the most effective wide receiver blocking on this team. And he's not going to be out there this game, which is de definitely unfortunate. It's going to be interesting to see what Jalen Virgil and Montreal Washington and Brandon Johnson could potentially do. Um, 
Greg Smith's bringing up a, a fairly decent point, and it's going to piggyback off of our Sutton conversation. It seems like Cortland Sutton's afraid of getting rolled up on. With the with the ACL injury he suffered a couple of seasons ago, is that potentially something that we we might be seeing here is a little bit of a hesitancy to get himself physical again because of that knee? No, because we saw him do these things last year directly after he had his injury and came back from it. Man. So it's not a it's not an issue of that. If that was the issue of it, we would have seen it last year wasn't the case right so pivoting away from the running game here let's let's talk about this passing game and what you were talking about earlier with this offensive line being as battered as it has been um these longer developing plays russell wilson holding on to the football and getting himself into a lot of trouble obviously we saw that a lot with this uh game against the tennessee titans he was hit like 18 times or some ungodly number like that uh and sacked six different times a lot of those times he was holding on to the football it wasn't immediate pressure and everything like that with this Raiders team that has a Chandler Jones, that has a Max Crosby, that has a Bilal Nichols, who's doing a fairly decent job getting some push up the middle of, for this Raiders defensive line, um, where could the Broncos potentially try to exploit, specifically let's talk in a quicker passing game, the, the slat-flat concepts that we're not seeing, uh, drag routes, anything like that that you're seeing that the Broncos could potentially try to utilize and change up what's going on with this passing game to maybe kind of jumpstart it a little bit. Yeah, they got to go quicker. I mean, they got to make it and put Russell Wilson in the position where it's time that you do what you can do for the better of the team. So I was reading over just the other day, I was reading back over the 2020 um, Packers offensive playbook, and we are seeing some of the concepts from that in this passing game, but there's so few. And going back and when I was doing my study over the Broncos offense and the Broncos passing game, trying to find the comparisons of it, I mean, there's sw there's slight changes to it. But pretty consistently, the plays that were effective, you can see the almost a carbon copy of it in the 2020 playbook of the Packers. When I went and was looking at the um, Seattle Seahawks playbook from 2020, which is the only one I have. This episode is brought to you by Pepsi Wild Cherry. Pepsi Wild Cherry is bursting with delicious cherry flavor and a sweet, crisp taste that gives you more to go wild for. Getting wild may look different these days, but whether it's opting for a solo Friday binge watch or a big night out, everyone can indulge in their wild side with Pepsi Wild Cherry, also available in Zero Sugar. So grab a Pepsi Wild Cherry and get wild. Shopify helps you sell at every stage of your business. Like that, let's put it online and see what happens stage. And the site is live. That we opened a store and need a fast checkout stage. Thanks, you're all set. That count it up and ship it around the globe stage. This one's going to Thailand. And that, wait, did we just hit a million orders stage? Whatever your stage, businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Sign up for your $1 a month trial at shopify.com slash listen. A lot more of the passing concepts are directly pulled out of there, except that a lot of them were designed for a play action rollout, but that was taken away because let's not forget that two years ago, Russell Wilson was widely reported. He didn't want to be this rollout quarterback. He wanted to be a passing, a pocket passing quarterback. And that has that continuously been reported on over the last couple of years, which is why a lot of people felt initially that Hackett and, um, and Hackett and Wilson would go well together is because Hackett would adjust to and give Wilson what he wants. That was reported on. They talked about it all preseason about Wilson's heavy hand in it. The passing game playbook is 90%
concepts that Russell Wilson made and created and brought with him from Seattle. That is what 90% of this passing offense is. And going back and studying the Seahawks playbook and what the Broncos are doing, that's that. So it's what he wants to do, but it's not what he can do. So the you have to sit here and you have to get him to recognize that you got to start doing what you can do. The team is effective when they go, when they roll him out and they move the pocket. They're effective with these, you know, more um, using a little bit more rub routes, I guess, or these two by concepts, which are from the Green Bay Packers playbook that Hackett brought with him. But they weren't common in the Seahawks playbook. You don't see them very often in Denver. So what do you do to get the Broncos passing game going? You get Russell Wilson to suck it up and be a quarterback that he can be instead of trying to be Peyton Manning, which he isn't. Yeah, absolutely. And Cronoic uh, is the name here. Uh, Russ, uh, can what 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 Russ can do is not the same as what he wants to do, and that's that's absolutely the truth on this one. He wants to play. He wants to you know sit back and read a defense and um, and be like Peyton Manning, like a Drew Brees. He idolized Drew Brees growing up as a kid. He, like, that was one of the guys that. Uh, he wanted to play football like obviously shorter quarterbacks, big arms, pretty decently in, in terms of accuracy and stuff like that. That's just it, it, it doesn't translate. He's not processing what he's seeing fast enough. And that's a big problem with this with this offense right now, especially when you're using these longer developing plays where you have to throw with at least a little bit of anticipation sometimes, especially on crossing routes and um, the, the, the bang eight posts and stuff like that. You have to throw with some anticipation and he's just not doing it. Or Lawrence Rivera jumping in here. What up, guys? First knowing Greeley means Christmas lights go up. Hey, I am getting away from the bah humbug thing because I usually wait until after Thanksgiving. Uh, but Samantha, my wife, uh, my wonderful, beautiful wife, is a huge Christmas fan. Like, it's her most favorite thing. Much like Eric, they are one and the same person. Uh, so tonight, after we're done with the show, I'm going to help put up Christmas lights and decorations this year for the first time before Thanksgiving that I have been an adult. And that's I'm 30 years old. So in the last 10 years, I've never put up a Christmas decoration before uh, Thanksgiving. Our tree is already standing. I stood that up the other day. But uh, yes, uh, snow and Greeley means Christmas lights go up. Christmas lights in Wyoming are going up right now. Eric, I, I want to spoil it, but I I, know, I don't want to get too much into your stuff. You had Christmas lights up on like the 1st of November, yeah? It was like right after Halloween. You had your Christmas oh, lights going up? It was the 2nd of November. We had to spend a day cleaning up. <laughs> yeah. This is this is what we deal with. He sent us a, a, a video of his Christmas tree, and it has uh, the Death Star from Star Wars as the as the tree topper, and it makes sounds and it plays uh, the story of Star Wars through all the ornaments, and it's an amazing thing. Eric, you got to describe this thing really fast. I mean, it's just a cool thing. It's a Hallmark thing. You guys can look into it. There's YouTube videos of it. You get the ornaments. You it combines with the Death Star, and it plays the music, and it essentially tells the story of it. Now, going back to Russell Wilson and the Broncos offense real quick and what they can do, Colin Wood, when we're talking about rolling out, Colin Wood raises up a point of when you have third stringers playing both tackles, which side do you roll them out to? Either. Because the thing is, when you're rolling out a quarterback, it's not necessarily what the tackles are doing. It's based off the quarterback of being able to flip your head, read the defender, and get the ball out quickly majority of the time when you're rolling out a quarterback, you're leaving an unblocked defender. Hopefully you're selling it enough off the play action that he's biting a little too far inside to where you can swing that quarterback out, get his header on quickly and everything. The issue with this, that with Denver doing this 
is Russell Wilson can be a little slow at that. And Russell Wilson is, likes to hold the ball a little bit longer as well, instead of, you know, just immediately flipping his hips, flipping his head and getting the ball out to the tight end or running back or who receiver, whoever is leaking behind that defender, because you're making that defender, the edge defender choose, are you going after the quarterback or are you going to get stay tight? And if you stay tight to the line, trying to keep that route covered, then that gives the quarterback more time to get the ball off. So it doesn't really, it does a little bit, but it's not a super, it's not super important what you have playing at tackle because it falls on to the quarterback and seeing a lot of people talking about this. There was another comment here that I wanted to grab um, that was talking about it. And Jay Kozad here, this wasn't the comment, but this is a good one. We're going to need an offensive coordinator that get Russ to at least average, if not good. And that's exactly it. And that's what Denver needs is they need somebody who can do that. And while I think that Hackett's actual scheme that he brought with him before it was completely messed with by Russell Wilson and, you know, manipulated and diversified, bringing in all those Seattle concepts would be somewhat effective with Russell. Wilson. I still don't think it would be the best scheme for him. By no means am I saying that there are plenty of issues with Hackett himself. And this is by no means absolving him of blame. Right. But there are enough concepts in there that are these quick hits, get the ball out quickly, making one, two or one, two reads and getting the ball out, hitting your receiver and making a play. We saw those plays. We saw them against Jacksonville. Those big plays where you're having Greg Dulcich, you know, basically running a quick corner route or a um, drag seam and you're having Nathan and you're having KJ Hamler running across or underneath or a hook route underneath. All Russell Wilson is reading is the safety. Is the safety coming down and taking Hamler, or is the safety sticking with Greg Dulcich? Yep. That's the only read Wilson has to make. And when you limit the amount of reads that Wilson can make, the more effective he is. So Denver does need an offense coordinator that can sit there and do that for him. And sit, But not only that, they need to get Russell Wilson to accept what he can do and play to what he can do. Because I don't think that Russell Wilson is completely destroyed. I don't think he's completely done playing football. I think if he wants to continue to be what he isn't, then he is. Yeah, I, I agree with you on that. I'm going to grab this from Chris really fast. The $2 super chat saying Carl and Eric are still the best in the business. Man, what I do? What did I do wrong? No, I'm just playing. Carl's, <laughs> Carl's great, man. I, I love Carl and it, uh, he's an amazing person and he's a great analyst, a great Broncos analyst, a great draft analyst. I, I appreciate everything that Carl does, but uh, him and Eric pairing together is always very good. So I agree with you, Chris, because I'm terrible. I suck at my job. I'm the worst person in the world. But uh, <laughs> anyways. Um, yes. With real quick. Yes. Uh, Colin Wood says, so we have to dumb it down for a 10 year vet. Yeah. I mean, let, let's be honest here for just a few minutes, guys. When you when you talk about uh, guys like Aaron Rodgers, the first year that he was with a Matt LaFleur in Green Bay, it took him a while to get things going. The next two seasons in a row, Aaron Rodgers was the MVP. Uh, when Kyle Shanahan was under Dan Quinn in, in Atlanta, Matt Ryan, the first season was pretty dreadful. That offense did not, they didn't have the pieces that they needed. Uh, Julio Jones finally got around. Matt Ryan figured it out the next season. Matt Ryan won an MVP and they lost in the Super Bowl. We all know the 28 to three game. Um, the San Francisco 49ers, not that it's the, the, the best example here because Jimmy Garoppolo sucks but I mean Jimmy Jimmy G was terrible with Kyle Shanahan this is the same kind of a system now that system in in San Francisco they've got it clicking they figured out what they do they identify that they run the ball very well they just need Jimmy G to manage the game not turn the football over and they're winning football games they're playing great defense they run the ball very well 
with Hackett, they're running a lot of the same stuff. Like that's what Hackett wants to try to do. He wants to incorporate the shot plays, the plays, the, the explosive plays, and stuff like that. Russell Wilson wants to incorporate that, incorporate that as well. But there's just something that is not meshing with the sequencing of what Nathaniel Hackett is calling in, in terms of like, so we're going to run, run, pass, or whatever, whatever you want to call it. Just the I call this one play to set it up later in the game, and they're not figuring out how to set up the game and the drives specifically in the in the correct fashion and i believe that a part of that has to do with what russell wilson is wanting to do at the at the line of scrimmage and potentially even in the huddle there's enough for me to believe right now that the disjointedness doesn't necessarily all lie on either one of them it's a combination of both of them and they've got to figure something out plain and simple they have to figure it out they have to drop the egos they have to go back to what they know that they can do what they know is going to work and what they have with their personnel because again we're down to third string offensive tackles we're down to wide receiver four, five, and six on this roster. Uh, Greg Dulcich, rookie tight end. Like, you, you, there's so many issues, and they've got to try to figure out an identity. And that, to me, is the biggest issue, is they do not have an identity, period. Like, plain and simple. And even Nathaniel Hackett acknowledged that. They don't have an identity, an, an identity, and the one that they do have is not very good. Those are Nathaniel Hackett's very own words. So Russ has to – figure it out, just start playing better, play the, the the game that he knows how to play. Nathaniel Hackett has to sequence it better, and they all have to come to, together in a collaborative effort to try to right the ship because if they don't win six of their next eight games or however many they have left, they're not going to make the playoffs. They're going to be picking in the top ten. Like that, That's just how this is going to go down. No, they won't. So, Seattle will be picking in the top ten. Yes, and that makes it even worse. I put this out there the <laughs> other day. Uh that actually makes it even worse. The Seattle Seahawks right now have the eighth overall draft pick. And according to the uh, um, the the draft network, it was Brentley Wiseman, I believe, did a, a mock draft the other day. Uh, the Seattle Seahawks with the eighth overall pick that it was used to belong to the Denver Broncos in the Russell Wilson trade went to Jalen Carter, the outstanding interior defensive lineman. And I texted it to Eric and Nick and Carl earlier. And I was like, pain, all pain. That hurts so bad. If this team actually had had the ability to get Jalen Carter, it'd be so much fun. Now, real quick, Chris Jansen says with the two dollar donation says, "Can't forget Lance DB for L. PS two needs one interception. It'd be great, and I think that, that this is a game where we could see it because of the number of weapons that are going to be out for the Raiders. I could see Derek Carr trying to force feed Devonte Adams, who Patrick Sertan will likely shadow. Of course." You have Matt Collins against Amari Mathis, which is a very favorable matchup for them. But I do think that, again, we'll probably see some attempts at force-feeding Devontae Adams this time. Yeah, I'm I'm right there with you on that one. Um, with with uh, Hunter Renfro out, Darren Waller out, it sounds like those guys are not going to play. Matt Collins is just kind They're of – They're on injury reserve. Guy. Yeah, exactly, because uh, uh, Waller has a hamstring. I believe he's still been fighting through since, like, week one. And then I'm not sure what Renfro has going on. I think it's a knee issue. But regardless, they're not going to play – uh, Devonte Adams is like the whole offense right now outside of Josh Jacobs and Josh Jacobs actually torched this Broncos defense the last time that they played. So they might try to focus in a little bit on the running game with Waller and Renfro out. So it's a perfect segue here with the, with the Raiders, obviously missing those guys we were talking about. What's probably going to be the easiest way to limit what Derek Carr and this offense are able to do for some reason, this Raiders offense has always had for the last, what, seven games. I think it is 
they've had their way with this Broncos offense. They've had some pretty decent games, including this this last this last time scored 27 points. Uh, Josh Jacobs ran for 154 yards and two touchdowns. Like, what are the Broncos going to be able to do defensively without a potentially Baron Browning, um, without K1 Williams, who's not going to play? Justin Simmons potentially may not play. Like, there's some issues here defensively for the Broncos. Run cover three and try to force Derek Carr to hold the ball forever. That that's it. Because your way to win is you got to be able to get pressure on Derek Carr. And the way to do that is force him to hold the ball. The issue is, and well, before getting into the issue, cover three is what he holds the ball the longest against. He averages over three seconds holding the ball every time to throw against cover three, which is Denver's predominant defense so far this season. Mm -hmm. So you got to get him to do that. But the issue is Denver did that in the first game and he averaged 2.29 seconds average time to throw in that game. So it's not just a simple thing of throwing out that cover and he's going to hold the ball. You still have to play tight coverage, which the Broncos had issues with. They had issues with matching with some of the concepts on it. And that was before they were super banged up in the secondary. Now they are. Now you you are what? Quan Williams is officially out or just questionable? Uh, I have the injury report. Give me just a second here. I believe he was uh, was supposed to be out. Um, one second. Scott signaling uh, he's, yes, out. he's out. Yeah, he is out. Uh, and then, and, uh, so Kareem Jackson is unspecified with a, something not injury related. So it doesn't sound like that's going to be a big deal. Um, K1 Williams is out. Um, Justin Simmons is has a knee issue. He missed yeah. the Titans game, but it sounds like he potentially could be back. Jonas Griffith is out. Darius Phillips sounds like he's going to be out. Well, as Darius well. Phillips like, has only been on special teams. Jonas Griffith was losing his spot on defense anyways. Right. Well, it, it's just the, the the fact of the matter is that this, this team is so banged up yeah. right now. And it, the, the, there's so many pieces offensively and also defensively that this, this team is – Running out guys uh, like because he uh, Caden Stearns is out, so you're playing PJ Locke a lot. Uh, Damari Mathis is playing a lot, and it's going to play a, a significant number of snaps. Michael Ojemudia is still kind of banged up, dealing with that dislocated elbow that he had early in the preseason. So there, there's issues here, and the secondary is a big problem, especially if Justin Simmons can't go and you want to play cover three because that's your single high safety. No, it's not. Kareem Jackson is. Why though? Why though? Why I don't. Do I don't get why. I'm just saying is I know one in their cover three. Kareem Jackson has been there predominantly. Their high safety. Um, they start off in a cover two look, and Justin Simmons typically drops down with Kareem Jackson dropping back. I don't get it. Makes no sense. But hey, it is what it is. Um, Patriot came in. I wanted to grab this. Sounds crazy, but you have to block to get results from any quarterback. Mostly true. Mostly. The issue is, is when you have a beat up, beat up offensive line that is struggling, you can't hold the ball consistently for 2.6 seconds. How many times was Russell Wilson hit in their last game against the Titans? 18 times, right? Two of them were in less than 2.6 seconds. Two of them. Every other one of them, the other 16 times he was hit, if he had gotten the ball quicker, out quicker, which he had a chance to do, the pressure wasn't getting there. He had plenty of time to get rid of the ball. There was a receiver with separation that he should have seen through his progressions. But he took too long to get through his progressions because, as he's done historically, Russell Wilson isn't quick with his reads of the defense. He can do it. It just takes him a little bit of time. So when your quarterback's holding the ball 2.6 seconds, when you're down to your sixth-string practice, practice squad right tackle, your third-string center, and you're just that beat up and he's still not getting rid of the ball quicker, like, yeah, the offensive line needs to do their job, but hey, so does the quarterback here. Yep. Russell Wilson is has the fifth longest average time to throw, and those quarterbacks that are above him, 
they're not dealing with great offensive lines either, and they're doing just as poorly as he is. The one exception, I believe, off the top of my head, is Justin Herbert. I think Lamar Jackson might be up there too, but he has got a running, got that running ability that is just absolutely, absolutely insane. I was, I was actually then, looking about. I was, I was so just to piggyback and not to interrupt you. I do apologize for that. Uh, I, I was looking at this earlier today on on Pro Football Focus. I had it narrowed down to uh, quarterbacks that had a hundred dropbacks in which they were pressured this season. Total of them twenty in the NFL. Russell Wilson had the eleventh longest time to throw in the NFL. And that includes guys like Lamar Jackson and Josh Allen and um, uh, who is the, uh, Marcus Mariota, who are guys that like to hold on to the football, but then they, they run around and they, they do have that escapability. Russell Wilson's not doing that. The, the problem with Russell Wilson is he's not running around and trying to like create and extend plays. He's just holding on to the football in the pocket and he's standing there like a statue. He almost looks like Joe Flacco, if I'm being honest, that's a big problem here. You can have a high time to throw when you're pressured. Like Lamar Jackson, I think leads the NFL is like four and like four point six total seconds on on times where he's pressured on to- average time to throw. But he's not standing around. He's running around back behind the line of scrimmage trying to throw the football down the field. Russell Wilson is just simply not doing that, and that's a problem. And the, and what you can look at for to you know kind of get add more context in here is their average time to throw than their average time to sack and average time to pressure. The Broncos' offensive line, they're about middle of the pack in average time to pressure. Mm-hmm. Average time to sack for a, for a Russell Wilson is one of the fastest. It's the eighth fastest in it. So here he is when you look at average time to throw where he's the fifth longest time to throw and he's the eighth fastest to sack. Offensive line can do a better job. No one is denying that. But the quarterback mm-hmm. has to get the ball out quicker. He has to speed up his reads. And when we see that, when you limit the amount of reads, I saw a couple of people in the comments talking about this earlier, about how we have to give him the Drew Locke treatment and simplify the reads and everything like that. And you do, and it's not for the same reason. It's not because you he can't read the defense like Drew Locke. He couldn't, or he couldn't make simple reads on RPOs or uh, run options even. Um, with Wilson, it's just that he just takes too long. It's that mm-hmm. extra split second. Instead of getting through his one read at 0.5 seconds, he's getting through at 0.75. And that extra 0.25 seconds is enough to get to that sack, to that pressure where you're not getting, where you're not actually getting a positive play. You got to speed it up. You got to simplify the reads, making him read one or two defenders and flip his hips, look at the other side, reading one or two defenders. That's it. Instead of following it through it. That that's how, that's how you got to go about it because of this. And this was an issue in Seattle and one of their former offensive coordinators, I can't remember who it was, talked about it, that you have to simplify the reads because Russell Wilson with it. And the, if I can remember correctly, I was reading this article the other day about it when I typed up about it. Um, the issue with Russell Wilson with it is that he's kind of a bit of a perfectionist. So he will read through it a little extra longer just to make sure he is seeing what he is seeing. So it's it's a bunch of different issues here and everything like that. And Scott in the back says a tenth of a second is a yard of yard of sprinting. Yeah, I mean when you look at forty yard dashes and everything like that, I mean that right there is a good ident- identifier of how much a split second is on it. Mm-hmm. So yep. for the for the NFL game, so yep. it's just it's issues. And again, I'm not trying to sit here and put all the blame on Russell Wilson. There's plenty on Hackett too. He's the head coach. He needs to man up. And, you know, pull his pants up a little bit and be like, all right, what you want to do is not working. Let's stick with what's working. 
what she've said multiple times in press conferences, right? What was the one thing during the bye week? We're going to do a deep dive and figure out what's working, and we're going to stick with it. And they don't do that. Yep. Because guess what? You had three drives of damn near perfection from the offense, mm-hmm. great execution from everyone involved, quick reads, quick throws, big plays, decent running game. Like You had it all over three drives in it. They don't stick with it against the Jaguars. And then you come back after the bye week and you don't see any of that. Yeah. It's gotten to the point where it's almost hard to break down because like you you can find all these flaws and everything. And it's just like, there's so much bad that you can't identify what the biggest issue is. And that's, the offensive line, the injuries, the play calling, the coaching, the, the quarterback play, guys dropping the football. It's like I think Russell Wilson has like the third or fourth highest drop percentage on passes that he's thrown down the field. Like it, it's bad. It's just all the way around bad. The fumbles from from Melvin Gordon. You've got there's nowhere really yeah. to start to give the biggest answer as to why this offense is as bad as it is. And Jeff noise comes in like uh, two fumbles at the, at the goal line lost the game in Seattle. Yeah. You're absolutely correct on that one. And that ties in runs because yeah. your quarterback doesn't want to be under center, yep. but Hey, Dude. it doesn't matter because you had two running backs that your job is to hold on the ball, hold on to the ball. Sorry to interrupt. Well, you're good. You're good, though. And that was another thing I was going to get into. Shotgun runs, and one of them was an audible in the south end zone of Century League Field, or whatever the hell they call it now, where it's the loudest in a, in a game with a backup offensive lineman playing that didn't understand the audible, where it's loud, and then you got driven backwards because Russell Wilson doesn't know how to communicate at the line of scrimmage right now. Like, that's actually a big thing that's going around. And your coach doesn't know how to... And your coach didn't know how to call a timeout. They had to hire somebody to help, help him, you know, with clock management. Yeah, we, like, despite being obvious signs that your offense was, you know, yeah. absolutely confused. Yeah. Um, Jeff Noya says Lockreed's defense is better. No, he doesn't. <laughs> uh, Vic Chin says Lock can poorly read a defense faster than Russell Wilson can read a good, re- actually read a defense. So there we go. We'll, we'll yeah. split in the middle there. Yeah, um, Russ, Russ is shook is what Vic Chin says. And I, I think that that might actually be part of the case here. I, I do think that that might be something going on. There's not a con- there's no He's, ounce of confidence in this offense at all right now. Whether it's again, we just talked about it: catching the football, running the football, fumbling the football, do, blocking up front, throwing the football, calling plays. There's zero confidence from anybody on this Broncos team offensively. And uh, yeah, Russ's shook is probably a, a is probably a good one. Uh, Bill Irish comes in saying Hackett is not ready. He's running in circles. He doesn't have the resume to take on Wilson. I've said this to you, to Nick, to Carl in the group chat multiple times. How can a how can a head coach who just has hardly ever called plays has always been viewed as um what's the right here? Like the right hand man for offenses that up until Green Bay haven't done so well, got his chance in Syracuse, flamed out there. How can he take on a take on the resume of a Super Bowl winning quarterback even though when you look at it it was very much that Legion of Boom defense the running game and Pete Carroll it's his job to do it but that's just that's why he can try but that's why you have to have Russell Wilson look in the mirror and realize that he's part of the issue and be willing to to do that and on Vic, uh, Vic Chin's comment on Russ's shook I can't remember who it was I was listening to a podcast the other day which curse you Nick for getting me into listening to podcasts on a regular basis and they were talking about Russell Wilson and his issues in Denver. And basically what they were saying is that he's completely shell-shocked in Denver because up when he, in, in his time in Seattle, and this was very well reported 
that he was not necessarily baby, but he was pampered a little bit, propped up a little bit more. Um, that issues that he had were kind of, you know, shrugged off a little bit, excused. It led to some friction with multiple multiple players on the defense, Richard Sherman being among them. Um, some other issues, like it just led to all these issues with other players that essentially Russell Wilson was babied a little bit, and that's not, and now he's he had the resume of how well he did early on, that Super Bowl victory. Right. And he had that. He he was the guy in Seattle, and he had the resume built up there. Then he comes to Denver, new coaching staff, new receivers, and he's playing poorly. Things aren't connecting. He's calling audibles using Seattle verbiage, which people can deny that all they want. There's more truth to that than you know the Broncos obviously want to let on. You don't want it. You don't want it known that your quarterback is calling ver- calling audibles in the verbiage of his old team. You don't, especially 11 weeks in. It's a bad look. Um, So you have all these issues that are going on, and a lot of it, for once in his career, a lot of the blame is falling directly on to Wilson. And, not again, not that Hackett's not infallible here, not that Hackett's blameless. It's just a lot of it is here because Bronco fans for a long time have looked at the quarterback outside of with a couple with a couple quarterback exceptions here have looked at it and been like all right the quarterback is a significant issue for years ever since the Peyton ever since Peyton Manning left it's always been there's other issues on it but the quarterback play isn't good enough the quarterback play isn't good enough and that's the same thing so essentially he's shell-shocked because for the first time in his career he he's getting blamed and rightfully so yeah, absolutely. Jeff Noyes jumping in here again. A lot of good comments from Jeff tonight. And thanks, Jeff, for bringing them in. It uh, helps with the conversation a little bit. He says, uh, up-tempo works so long as you understand the offense. And kind of goes back into the last point that uh, um, Eric was just getting into was when you're using verbiage from another offense and offenses that nobody else on the offense actually knows, like you're probably not going to understand what you're supposed to do. And there, there are times it's very visible where there's some frustration from, from receivers that are getting targeted that are not in the right spot. It's whether it's Wilson or the receiver throwing their hands up offensive line protections and stuff like that. You're not seeing a lot of that stuff pan out the way it's supposed to. And if you don't understand what you're supposed to be doing, if you don't understand the right calls and stuff like that, you're going to have a lot of, of issues especially um and uh, especially with the with the offense there eric i just got your i just got your uh <laughs> your message and i didn't realize that that's what that was that one was said so i watched before we get into you know going more in depth on the raiders game here um audible audibles is something that i actually wanted to talk about with it because I mean, there's always a necessity to be able to have the quarterback to change the call at the line because when you make your initial play call, you don't know what the defense is throwing at you. Russell Wilson had a tremendous, a brilliant, but simple audible against the Titans. They showed cover zero. How do you attack cover zero? You have your fastest guy run a straight line and throw it to him. You don't have that over-the-top help. You exploit that. You strain that defense with your speed, with your fastest receiver with Jalen Virgil. That was a very simple and easy audible to recognize, but he's got to rein it in a little bit because he's audibling a little bit too often, which some of the issues with, you know, keeping plays at tempo, getting the ball off in time is because he's taking a little too long to call, call these audibles. And not in that you're seeing him audible off and audible, 
which again, it's fine. It's just as frequently as it is. Sometimes the play call that was called just should be ran. I mean, for whatever reason, sometimes it is. It's not always great to, to audible it. Because when you look at it, talking about that run against Seattle where you audible, where the people don't, didn't hear it, that was a situation, again, where you should have just called the timeout. Not just the coaching staff, but Russell Wilson should have recognized the confusion up front and called the timeout. Another play was the back-to-back um, back shoulder fades that we saw to Cortland Sutton. The first one was the design call, and it almost worked. The second one was an audible to it because Russell Wilson wanted to exploit the one-on-one matchup, which, hey, it wasn't a bad audible, but you're audibling into exactly what you just did the play prior. Mm -hmm. And that's one of those things where the sequencing kind of looks bad on it and it reflects poorly on the coach, it reflects poorly on the play call because you're audibling it. You can't you can't do that. You can't audible to the play that you just ran. Um, so that's something that that's something that does fall on Russell Wilson a little bit, and that is something that he can do better with. We have seen some great audibles from him. We've seen some bad ones. And against this Raiders defense, who really like to change up, um, who change their they don't change their coverage, but they change the looks that you're throwing you a lot. This is why Russell Wilson needs to improve with his audibles and his consistency with his audibles, because the Raiders are going to do whatever they can to bait him. Yep. and try to get it to where he's going to make a mistake throwing it into a guy that he thought was vacated that because they're actually in a cover two when they were showing a cover one or a cover three, which they, a lot of teams love to do. It's very simple. Yep. Um, so it's just he's got to watch the audibles to not get baited into it. Yeah. Uh, got to give a shout out to Michael Ronquillo, who uh, dropped some stars earlier. Just want to say hi to our buddy Michael. Um, says that he would love the the offense to do some more uh, no huddle stuff to keep the Raiders defense guessing on the football field. And I, I, I see the the want to do that. And Michael, I'm going to disagree with you on that one, just because at, at this particular point, whatever the Broncos are doing right now, and especially when they go into that no huddle look, yeah, it's effective. And it, they, they're doing some pretty decent things there in specific situations right now. They just got to get back to the basics, man. Like they, they really do. I, I said this just a little bit earlier. They've, they've got to get back to the basics and do what this team does well. And especially with yeah. third and fourth string receivers, third and fourth string offensive linemen, going fast right now is not going to help anything in my particular, uh, in my particular opinion. I do appreciate the thought though, Michael, and thank you for joining us as always. And on that note with going to a no huddle, no huddle thing is we know that Russell Wilson doesn't fully know the playbook now because he's calling audibles in old verbiage of his. Yeah. So that's an issue of it, and it leads to confusion, and it can lead to that. And, you know, taking too much time at the line, just, just huddle up. The time to go to no huddle, that's there in the games, and it shouldn't be, you know, strictly huddling up every single time. You should change up the tempo, but knowing yeah. when – and it should be a situation where your offense knows three or four plays before doing that, which is pretty standard of it. Yeah. Um, it's just with Russ, with how Russell Wilson is where he's at, you just can't go fold no huddle. I would like to see it, though, eventually. I just don't know if it is. Now, Malcolm Brown, my fellow Alaskan, says, if, if Azani is a good wide receiver coach, why have Cleveland and Williams fizzled? Also, constant talk about inadequate route running this year. So... Great coaches will have their failures. Mike Munchak is praised as one of the best offensive line coaches of all time. He yep. still had plenty of guys fizzle out. Tyree Cleveland was an athlete that really needed to learn everything about being a receiver, and he just wasn't. Um, 
the reasons why he kept was kept was for blocking and special teams being a gunner and he just never developed there and with Zach Azani with Seth Williams it wasn't a situation that he fizzled out really it was a situation where they just wanted him back on the practice squad and he decided he's going to book it for Jacksonville um but you look at other receivers that um that Azani has worked with KJ Hamler can't stay healthy but KJ Hamler is showing technical improvements mm-hmm. Cortland shut Cortland Sutton has showed tremendous improvement with his route running, um, which is largely thanks to the work that Zach Azani has put in. Zach, I don't want to say Zach Azani is one of the best receiver coaches in the NFL, but he's a very good one. But he's not going to make, he's not going to turn every, you know, mud ball into a, every clay ball into a masterpiece. Uh, You're just not going to see that with any coach at any position, no matter how good they are. It's just not going to happen. He's good. Um, but I just don't think I don't I don't think he's great. You you might correct me if I'm wrong on this one, but Zach Azani did a lot of work with Demarius Thomas after Tyke Tolbert was let go. I believe that was the Josh McDaniels era when Josh McDaniels was fired. Everybody pretty much got fired because Tyke Tolbert was a very good wide receivers coach in the NFL, and I believe that was Tyke the Tolbert first was around for a little bit longer than that. Yeah, but then Zach Azani really came in, and when when Zach Azani came in with Peyton Manning, uh, that was really when Demarius Thomas like took that next step forward to being the Demarius Thomas that two years are off. What do I got? Two years off. Tyke Tolbert Tolbert was here until 2017, after the 2017 season. That's when they switched to um, Zach, or that's when they switched to Zach Zach Azani. Okay, Tyke Tolbert survived quite a while. He came in with John Fox. Okay, so. Like I said, you probably have to correct me on this one, but I know that Zach Azani did a lot of work with Demarius Thomas in terms of making him still be effective. So I had at least a little bit of that part correct. Regardless, uh, Azani right now is one of the the more respected players or respected coaches in the NFL in terms of wide receiver coaches. Um, I know that he wasn't the first option for the uh, for the Broncos. There was a guy, I believe he's in Dallas right now, but Azani was actually on his way out. Um, they, they had a, another guy that, that Nathaniel Hackett wanted to bring in. So that might be something to take a look at in terms of what the Broncos could be looking at moving forward. Maybe Azani is on his way out. Uh, Phil McLaughlin jumping in here. Great show tonight, Lance, Eric, and Deacon Scott. Hashtag go Broncos. Thank you, Phil, for joining us as always. Um, Eric only got a couple more minutes here. So let's break down some more of this Raiders game. Give me your three biggest keys to victory without like the, the typical ones. Get out after the pass or stop the running. You are Score more points than the other team. Three biggest keys to the Broncos uh, getting uh, getting a victory against the Raiders. Did I break up really bad? Yeah, you broke up really bad. You you got to shut down Josh Jacobs. Like you can't let him take over the game. This is a game like they did in the first one. In the first game, it seemed that they were more set on stopping the passing game, which with Darren Waller, I don't think Hunter Renfro played in that one. I think he was hurt for that one as well. But Devontae Adams, Matt Collins, like they were very focused on shutting down the passing game. I think that you need a change of it. And Scott last week brought up going bigger on the defensive line against the Titans, which Scott, you were correct. They ended up doing that. Um, They should follow suit against the Raiders. I mean, going bigger up front gives you a little bit more control on the defensive line, and it helps open up space for Alex Singleton and Josie Jewell to roam a little bit more and come downhill with potentially more space to get it to meet the ball carrier. Josie Jewell played an excellent game against the Tennessee Titans. He was the best player out there for both sides of the ball, or both teams on both sides of the ball. 
absolutely tremendous play. You got you got to do what you can to get him open, and then you got to be able to make sure you tackle Josh Jacobs when you meet him. So not letting Josh Jacobs take over the game is a key of this because when he does that, Derek Carr is able to just sit in there and just make enough of the throws that are needed to keep it going. On the flip side of it is you got to get your run game going. You got to stick with it. You got to try to pound the rock. You can't be too stubborn with it to where you're eating up too much time with something that's so ineffective, but you got to be able to get it going. And then also on the offense, it is, I mean, I know you said don't say it, but you got to score points. I mean, this team, if they averaged the same amount of points that they did last year in regulation, they'd be eight and one. Yep. It, it's, the the, you got the actual the, the actual t- statistic on that is if they if they scored 18 points a game in regulation right now they would be eight and one and it, it, so in regulation is the key there because they lost to the Chargers in overtime the Chargers scored 19 points if the Broncos scored 18 in regulation they won 18 to 16 so it, it, <laughs> it, yes you're absolutely correct like if they score 18 yeah, and points the in reason, regulation they're going to be eight and one right now and the reason why I'm saying last year's average 19 point for 19.7 points per game right. is what Denver right. averaged last year is because last year, look at how much everybody hated the offense. They were more efficient last year. Mm-hmm. So if you, you got to match that you're averaging 14 points, something not quite 15 points per game, get that extra touchdown, figure it out, find a way to get in there. There are ways that you can attack this Raiders defense who is weak all around. And it's not just getting your run game going, looking at those passing concepts, that are there that Hackett brought with him, you know, those go drags that Dulcich with the with the speed guy underneath, making yeah. the simple reads, cutting down on the amount of reads that you have to do, that the quarterback has to do, make things simpler. Yeah. It's talked about so many times this regular season that the Broncos can't execute basic high school football concepts. Dan Orlovsky absolutely drilled on that during the Jaguars game, and he has multiple other times as well. Um, through film pieces and articles and everything. Get those down. Get them executed. Because those concepts, that's what everything else is built off of. You got to get it down. S- double slant routes with a um, with with some crossers in there. Whatever it needs to be. Mesh concepts. Like, that's something that was big in Green Bay. Let's see more mesh concepts. Yes. Like, we. It's just, the issue is, is Russell doesn't want to run them. But again, this goes back. That's our conversation we had earlier there. Yeah. <laughs> you got to go back to what is working and actually stick with it. You know what is working. You can't. It's the, there's a whole conversation that I saw going on about if Hackett deserves to be fired. If Hackett can't put his foot down to the players and actually be the head coach, yes, he fully deserves to be fired. It is his job to care about winning more than a player's attitude, perception, image. Um, likeness, whatever you want to refer to it as. However the player looks, that is not his main job. His main job is to win. And the way to win is to get Wilson to do what he can do, which mesh concepts, it's simple reads, getting the ball out quick, and being in an efficient offense. So just going with those aspects of it, I mean, easier said than done. But, hey, it is what it is. Uh, shout out to Ernie Mays for jumping in just a little bit ago, dropping some stars. We appreciate Ernie as always for joining the show. Ernie's a great friend, man. Like he's always so positive about this team, and it's it's great to have him here with us on Dove Valley Deep Divers. So shout out to Ernie. Um, 
there's one more question that I want to ask you. And I noticed this a little bit watching the Titans game. And you you really said it about being bigger and bulkier up on the the, the front four of the defense. And that's the big thing is the, the defensive line, the front four. The Broncos are doing something right now with Draymond Jones that I am a super huge fan of, of lining him up at like a five technique or a, even sometimes out as far as a seven technique defensive end in a four, three front where I specifically against the Tennessee Titans, where they had Jonas Griffith, Alex Singleton and Josie Jewell on the field at the same time, four down like a true four, three defense. Is that something that the, Bron- that the Broncos should use with uh, going against the Raiders this week? Because it was effective and Draymond Jones playing the way that he does coming off the edge as like a, a like a Malik Jackson type of four three defensive end. It's intriguing as all hell to me. I think that that's something that they need to look into moving forward, period, not just against Raiders, but throughout the rest of this, the rest of the season. So <laughs> with Draymond Jones, the big thing with him is that he's consistently been a five or seven technique edge defender all season long. Uh, mostly hand in the dirt, but they've been standing up as well. The actual difference is that instead of having DJ Jones being your zero technique and Deshaun Williams on the other side with the huge um, a gap open there on that side between Jones and Jones is they're plugging in Purcell. So you're going meteor in the middle with Deshaun Williams still out there. That's the difference of the look that you're getting is Purcell is actually essentially starting the lineup. And as right. Scott said about it, we actually saw a five, three look last week which that's great. I mean, use it a little bit because then that enables you to get somebody who's a, I don't want to say a higher quality pass rusher because Draymond Jones is absolutely insane, but a true edge defender out there to still bring a little bit of speed to it. Um, and I, there was a couple of times too, where I know they had uh, Griffith, Jonas Griffith, Josie Jewel, and Alex Singleton out there as well. Um, I don't think it's what you do full time, especially when you get Baron Browning and Randy Gregory back. But when you are going against teams that can play into a uh, power running game like the Titans, like the Titans do, like the Raiders can and do frequently, that's your time to do it. This is a good time for them to stick with this Deshaun Williams, Purcell, Jones, Jones front and still using Cooper or Browning if he plays as that extra edge defender with Jonas Griffith out. Then you're still sticking with Josie Jewell and Alex Singleton. Your weapon, their weapons don't scare you as much when you get to the depth. So you have Adams and um, Hollins out there with Mathis and Sertan. That enables you to play a little bit bigger up front as well because you don't have Darren Waller you have to worry about. You don't have Hunter Renfro. So it's like the same thing with the Titans. They don't have the weapons that you have to worry about a little bit to, to keep you from playing in these bigger packages. And what the Raiders did in the first game is they had those weapons, even though Hunter Renfro didn't play, they had those weapons to spread you out so Denver couldn't go big on the offense run and then just ran down their throat. So it is something that they definitely should look at doing in this game and against other teams that really love this the, the power running concepts. Yeah. Yeah, great points all the way around. It's uh, going to be fun to see. I have the Broncos winning this game, 1913. Our uh, Mile High Huddle roundtable predictions are up at milehighhuddle.com. Make sure you guys go and check that out. I think with that, Eric, let's get out of here. Let's have a... A great rest of our weekend. As always, guys, make sure you guys are following us on Twitter by finding me at SandersonMHH. For Eric, at Eric Trickle. Also, guys, while you're at it, uh, at DVDD underscore pod. Keep in touch with what's going on here on Dove Valley Deep Divers every single week. It's a 
it's always fun here every single Friday. While you're at it, though, guys, uh, at Mile High Huddle, that's where you're going to get breaking news and analysis, uh, film breakdowns, opinion articles, anything regarding your Denver Broncos at Mile High Huddle and MileHighHuddle.com is where you guys are going to find all of that. Uh, folks, if you're financially able to do so, please head on over to HuddleUpPod.com. Get your merch on. That's the merch tent, guys. Get yourself a hat. There's T-shirts. A coffee cup, face masks, a onesie for your baby, anything to suit your fancy. It's always good to go to huddleuppod.com. It's a great way to support the show. Um, and folks, if you're not financially able to do so in terms of uh, going to huddleuppod.com or, you know, dropping, um, dropping stars, donations, super chats, anything like that. We appreciate all that stuff, but really the best way you can support us is down at the bottom of the screen, uh, subscribe wherever you guys are watching this show um, where any of the huddle up podcasts, uh, yeah, Huddle Up Podcast Network. Um, anything Mile High Huddle, subscribe to Mile High Huddle on YouTube, Facebook, Twitter, Twitch, Apple Podcasts, anything like that. Wherever you guys get your content, subscribe to Mile High Huddle. Like every single video you guys see. And if you love it, please share it. Because without your guys' support, we could not do what we do best, which is cover your Denver Broncos and have great conversations with each and every single one of you. Now, Eric, um, got to get out of here. We've got about uh, just a couple minutes we're over our hour here but any last words for this week on dvdd yeah i mean hopefully the broncos win it'd be nice to see i'm tired of consistently watching losses because mm -hmm. you know what watching losses over and over and over again for my grades is so draining <laughs> um so hopefully they win i hope everybody has a wonderful holiday um those of you that celebrate thanksgiving anyways those of you who think thanksgiving sucks like i do try to <laughs> fake it through the day um <laughs> anyways i hope i hope everybody has a great weekend i hope everybody has a great holiday and we will see you well actually on that i might not be here next week gotta talk to you about that lance that's fine. um so maybe i'll be be here uh see you in two weeks maybe next week though that's doubtful and again have a great holiday have a great weekend yeah, I, I will be here next weekend because we're not doing anything crazy for Thanksgiving. Family is just going to come over to our place. We'll have some fun there. Um, it, it's Thanksgiving is the best holiday ever. I love all the food. I love the family aspect of it. The, the gifts and stuff of Christmas is always fun. But Thanksgiving is the best just because it's meant to be the family get together. And I, I always have a, a great time with my family personally. So that's why my I grandmother died Christmas. on Christmas and it's still a bigger holiday to me than Thanksgiving. <laughs> <laughs> I guess, I guess it goes back to 2008 where it was like the worst year ever. And that's the, like the biggest thing my aunt died and my grandpa died like two weeks before Thanksgiving. And that was like our one solace was we could all finally get together and, <laughs> and have, you know, like a, a happy time because at the, like, it, it, it was rough, dude. They, they died 10 days apart. So when you have something like that happen, it's like Thanksgiving has always been ever since then is like the, the best holiday in the world because it, it just reminds you of the good in life. We're actually all here together, even though we're not together, we're all here together. So that's why I enjoy Thanksgiving. Anyways, guys, uh, we're going to get out of here. Thank you all for joining us on Dove Valley Deep Divers. Uh, you all have a great weekend. A great Thanksgiving. Stay safe and take care. We will see you guys same time, same place next week. And maybe I can price scout uh, Scott away from uh, his duties and whatnot to come and join me next week if Eric's not available. Anyways, guys, you all stay safe. Take care. We'll talk to you guys later. Thanks. You've been listening to the Huddle Up Podcast. Join Broncos Country's deep divers at milehighhuddle.com to keep the conversation going.
Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.